Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. September means back to school and back to binoculars as we watch for the start of the fall migration. We hope you'll continue your schooling by coming for a free walk with us. Ocean State Bird Club is on Facebook and at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. That's www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 744. We're broadcasting live here on the 8th of September from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend. It's right here at Audubon's spectacular nature center and aquarium in Bristol, Rhode Island. Today's activities here will include a live owl program, eagle and raptor presentations, and even a raptor flight demonstration. If you're anywhere in southern New England, let's say, there's plenty of time for you to get here. The program continues until 4 this afternoon. Full info at ASRI.org. Well, Audubon of Rhode Island is involved in many conservation efforts to help birds and people, including being part of a successful fight to stop the creation of a new fossil fuel power plant in northern Rhode Island, working on a Woodland Preservation Act, and advocating for bills aimed at moving away from the use of plastic bags and plastic straws. So supporting efforts like those are certainly good reason to support Audubon of Rhode Island. And Audubon's executive director, Larry Taft, is here to offer maybe a little pitch about uh, to our Rhode Island listeners about other reasons to join up. I don't know if there are other reasons, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> good morning, Larry. There's plenty of other reasons to join up Audubon, with Audubon. Audubon is, uh, you know, a significant holder of conservation land here in Rhode Island. We hold land for bird habitat. We uh, have trail systems at all of our refuges, at least 15 sites around the state. We have this wonderful environmental education center where thousands of kids come every year to uh, learn about nature at school field trips when we run summer camps. And uh, also, as you said, with uh, their advocacy, we're having a membership drive right now to try to get more members on Audubon because we want to represent you. We want to, um, when we go in front of the state legislator or a town hall and we're talking about the environment, it's really good to uh, say that we can represent a lot of people. And I think we do in spirit. But so just join up as an Audubon member and you can be part of the team. And um, there's a lot of great things you can volunteer for or get involved with or attend programs, bird walks, overnight uh, things such as Block Island Birding Weekend coming up pretty soon. So a lot of reasons. So this weekend, we are really trying to put the pedal to the metal and get people to sign up. And we have a real good special on that. So, so come, come down, down here. Yeah. That's right. Come on down. Or visit the website, ASRI.org. Larry Taft, ladies and gentlemen, Executive Director of uh, Audubon Society of Rhode Island. Well, among the other cool things on our cool new TalkingBirds.com website are two new listener stories. One is from a Talking Birds ambassador from right here in the Ocean State, who's actually sitting about nine feet from me, Candy Powell from Jamestown, Rhode Island. Her story is about her visit to Jamestown, New York, along with her husband, Chris, who's about nine and a half feet from me. Uh, that's a visit <laughs> to the Roger Tory Peterson 
about it, thanks to Candy's story. And the other stories from recent Talking Birds guest Kevin South from Roseburg, Oregon, about how he inspires his third grade students to get to know and love. Heading at TalkingBirds.com. And under that same heading, you'll see how to send us a listener story. We'd love to hear yours about anything you've experienced related to bird, nature, or conservation. We'll do a little preview of our mystery bird contest. Anybody hear anything? Oh, there it is. Whoa. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along. Some fabulous prizes, but first some clues. Our mystery bird, since this is the raptor weekend, is a predator. The mature male, here's a big hint, sometimes referred to as the gray ghost, is pale on the back. Wear shoes, it does have black wingtips. The larger female is brown on the back and striped brown and white below. Our bird's diet consists mainly of mice and other small mammals, sometimes small birds. It feeds by gliding close to the ground and then diving to capture prey. So, those are some, uh, that is the preview of our mystery bird contest. We love our Talking Birds ambassadors, and that includes Brandon from Lakeland, Florida, our newest Talking Birds ambassador. Uh, when Brandon signed up, applause for you, Brandon. He said, I'd really like a sticker to put on my car. But we don't have any stickers, so. But we do have our beautiful Talking Birds uh, iron-on patches, so we've sent one of those to uh, Brandon down there in Lakeland, Florida. So thank you, Brandon. Talking Birds listeners, we'll, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family by allowing us to send you some of our little info cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders. To join the family, just visit our beautiful new website, still at TalkingBirds.com, and uh, let's see, and click on the... Uh, oh, you we have a new button at the top, Get Involved, it says. So you click on Get Involved, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll learn about how to find and photograph birds in the city when we talk with urban nature photographer Peter Green, right here, live and in person, from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next is a hawk owl, a hybrid. No, not really, but one member of that family is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend flies like a hawk, but looks like an owl. Maybe it's a hawk owl. Well, actually, it is a hawk owl. It's a northern hawk owl. It has a face like an owl, that disc-like face with the forward-facing binocular eyes, but flies like a hawk, especially like an occipiter, as in northern goshawk and sharp-shinned hawk, and the cooper's hawk to which it's very close in size, with a wingspan of about 28 inches and a length of about 16. It flies, like an occipiter, low and fast, with quick, stiff wing beats. The northern hawk owl, a bird of the boreal forests way up north, one we only see here in New England in winters when food is scarce in its home country and it heads south in hopes of better hunting. 
This bird's eyesight helps it to see prey at distances of a half mile. And although it detects its food sources mostly by sight, it can also find and seize the small mammals it feeds on under a foot of snow. And if that doesn't work, it'll also capture small songbirds. In fact, birds make up most of its diet in the wintertime. That was the ul 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 song of the northern hawk owl, Cernia ulula, distinguishable from most other owls by its long tapered tail and short pointed wings and the fact that it hunts during the day, and distinguishable from hawks by its broader head and body. It's today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, the northern hawk owl. Welcome again to our show number 744, live here from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend at the beautiful Nature Center and Aquarium here in Bristol, Rhode Island. Peter Green is a photographer and graphic designer living and working in downtown Providence, Rhode Island, where he walks the city documenting peregrine falcons and more urban wildlife from red-tailed hawks nesting on rooftops. home among the bricks and concrete. He also gives presentations to the public about his local raptors and advocates for ways to help them live and thrive. How about a studio audience welcome for Peter Green. Welcome, Peter. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being with us. Why don't we start with the story of how you pointed your binoculars at a... only to discover that it wasn't a pigeon at all. That's exactly right. That's how I got started. I moved into downtown Providence. I live behind City Hall, and I didn't know much about birds at all. Um, I did come from New York City, so I was aware of Pale Mail, um, what was happening with his nest down there in New York. Um, but I was looking out my window, and I would notice that the flocks of pigeons that hang out in Kennedy Plaza would be flying around in the air, as if something was chasing them. And then uh, one pigeon one day left that flock and went up to the top of the Superman building, as we call it. And I took out some binoculars to see what it was, to see why that pigeon went up there. And it wasn't a pigeon, like you said. It was something tearing a pigeon apart. And the feathers were flying, and the blood was dripping down the side of the building. And I didn't even know what it was, but I looked it up, and I saw it was a peregrine falcon. And from then, I was hooked and couldn't believe I was watching it outside of my own window. And, and since then, I've put down the binoculars, upgraded my camera length, and um, when you have peregrine falcons living outside your window, that's the time to invest in a camera. So um, it's been a great time watching them, and I, I, I feel a responsibility to report on them because I see them every day. It's, um, I get to see their daily activities. I think, in fact, when we were talking on the phone the other day, you had a Cooper's Hawk go right yeah, by your window. Yeah, exactly. This time of year, September, a lot of the migrants start to show up. So um, young, especially young ones, like Cooper's Hawks, will come downtown to get an easy meal. I always say, why should a hawk chase a single songbird through the forest when there are a hundred pigeons waiting downtown and then people throw their bread on the ground the pigeons are in a stack uh, fighting for the bread and the hawks just come down and grab one it's very easy for them so once they find out about that they stay downtown for a while and stayed for like three days and you know i'm actually even doubly lucky because not only do i see peregrines out one window my other window which is an alley 
actually has pigeon nests. So the hawks and falcons and little ketchels will actually come to my windows to get into those nests. So um, sometimes I just roll down the window and take those pictures. Well, you mentioned getting down to the ground. So in addition to going up high, uh, looking for birds. You also got down in the dirt for one particular yeah. picture. Uh, tell us about that experience that you say really got you hooked on photographing yeah, well, the raptors. Like I said, I saw the falcons up high hunting. Um, at that time, I didn't know much about birds' behavior, and I didn't know that the falcons wouldn't be landing on the ground. Um, but I always kept my camera with me, and one day I ran into... A, I was the only one in the park because it was very cold. It was right downtown. It was a snowy day, and I saw this gigantic raptor eating a pigeon um, in the park, tearing it apart. I was all alone. And it wasn't a peregrine, as I had saw the week before. Uh, so I learned it was a red-tailed hawk. It was a juvenile, it was striped tail, so it wasn't as obvious. Um, but every single day for like two weeks, this hawk was hunting, and it was didn't care about people whatsoever. So eventually, I just sat down amongst the pigeons, and when it came for a pigeon, it came right at all of us, and I got a shot of it coming right at uh, all of us, and the pigeons uh, all going their separate ways. And he, he wasn't successful on that one, but they, you do get to see them catch successfully downtown. Yeah. So speaking of downtown, you're in Providence mostly, but do you do urban photography with raptors in other, other places? I haven't, um, because my philosophy is to bird and tell the story about where you live. So if I was to go to New York City for the weekend and photograph some peregrines, that might be fun, but I can't tell the story of those peregrines' lives because I'm not there every single day. You know, when people ask me, do I go to Africa to see lions? It's the same answer, no. I lived here, so they're around me all day. I get to see them from mating to bathing to eating, everything. So I feel like uh, I can tell that story better than anybody else could. Um, and in another city, I can't tell that story as somebody else could who lives there. If lions want you to see them, they can come here, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, can you regale us with a list of, of, of raptors you've... Uh seen and photographed in downtown Providence? Well, the peregrines, they rule downtown. So they live on the top of the Superman building and that's their territory. So especially when they have their babies, they're very protective. So they'll kill anything that comes around their territory. But it's interesting how they do stay up high. So they do tend to allow, and, and they, they stay up high and they eat birds. So they allow the um, red-tailed hawks to hunt the mammals and squirrels on the ground level and they don't seem to b be bothered by them too much but so the most common would be the peregrines uh the red-tailed hawks pass through cooper's hawks uh, merlins which are small falcons and then kestrels which are the smallest falcon um kestrels are in sharp decline so every time we see a, a kestrel that's always great because i love those little kestrels so other than things like scary heights and, and such, Peter, what are, what are the skills needed to become a good urban bird photographer? What advice might you give uh, to folks who'd like to follow in your footsteps or stair steps? Um, <laughs> well, right, you know, I do give some advice about, um, well, first of all, get to know your camera, get to know the birds, get to know their behavior. Uh, it's gonna fly away or if it's gonna hunt and then you can adjust your camera settings to that. Um, another tip I give for in the city is, um, you know, we mentioned height. Try to locate where public parking garages are, and then you can walk up to the tenth floor and uh, take a few shots from up there. Just don't loiter too long because they they won't the owner won't like that. But um, it's a quick way to get up high to a rooftop uh, if you see a bird perched up very high. 
Um, my other advice for coming to see them in the city is come in the summertime because not only do we have the two peregrine adults, then we have three or four children flying around the city learning to fly from the parents. So that's the best opportunity to see them. So public education, Peter, has also become a big part of your work. Tell us a bit about that. Exactly. Well, you know, after 10 years of photographing hawks, you know, it's like how many more pictures can you take? And also you start to care about what happens. You, I, you have incidents where you rescue one or one has been killed or one, or, you know. Um, so, and, and when an owl showed up downtown, the, my first thought is, oh no, it's going to get poisoned by rat poison because there's rat poison all around. So in my talks, I like to tell people about how they can help these birds by you know, not put using rat poison by um, not having as much glass on the buildings. We've had peregrines hit glass buildings and die downtown. Um, so there are issues like that that, we, that I love to educate the public about how to, you know, nobody knows they can, well, some people don't know that they could put a little box in their suburban backyard and maybe a little screech owl or kestrel will show up so they could bring uh, wildlife to their own backyard. On your website, which is really terrific, by the way, you, you have an amazing graph there of a lot of these pairs of peregrine falcons and their offspring and their old mates and their new mates. Right. <laughs> Can you give us a little uh, yeah, non-visual description? Of that? Again, that's the fun of it. It's not just about photography. I like contributing to science. So if I can see these birds and get, and the peregrines are mostly banded by Tom French up in Massachusetts, the ones that we get in Rhode Island, um, I'm able to read their band numbers and talk to Tom and, or plug it into the report gov, reportband.gov website, find out where they came from. And then I made a chart of the breeding pairs in Providence on the uh, Superman building, 111 Westminster Street, since the year 2000. So we can track which pairs have been mating when they switch. And um, there's been interesting situations where one of the birds that was born left for four years, then came back and kicked out his own father and mated with the father's new mate. So um, we, we joke that it's like Falcon Crest or the, the, young, the young and the nestless. Peter Green is an urban photographer, graphic designer, and educator from Providence, Rhode Island. You can see some of his amazing photos and videos and learn more about his good work on his website, ProvidenceRaptors.com. That's ProvidenceRaptors.com. Peter, thanks for being with us and enjoy the rest of the Raptor weekend. Thank you very much. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. There's a part of our world that we pay little attention to. Here, an ant drags a seed five times its own size. A grasshopper devours a fresh leaf. And a bee sips from a drop of dew. And down here, toxic chemicals and carcinogens are leaching into our environment. They come from objects that we look past every day. Littered cigarette butts. Every one is a tiny toxic waste site. And there are millions of them right where we live, work, and play. Let's stop the toxic litter. Learn more at rethinkbutts.org. Brought to you by Legacy and Leave No Trace. It's our Mystery Bird Contest. We do this every week on our show. And the way it works is. Let's see. We play the sound of a bird. We give some clues. 
And uh, then we invite you to call in and tell us what the bird is. Pretty, pretty simple. If you haven't been a winner here in the past six months, you're automatically eligible. And we always say one of the great features of our contest is that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer as long as somebody else doesn't get it. So take a guess. It could be, uh, it could be a winner. Uh, the number is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Here's the somewhat scary sound of our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a predator. The male is pale gray on the back and light below. It has black wingtips. The larger female is brown on the back and striped brown and white below. Our bird's diet consists mainly of mice and other small mammals and sometimes small birds. It feeds by gliding close to the ground and then diving to capture prey. And I don't think we gave this other clue in our preview. Unlike other members of its family, our mystery bird uses hearing as well as sight to capture prey. The feathers of the face show a pronounced facial disc, much like that of some owls. So that would be our mystery bird. Tell us what it is. Oh, our prizes include the Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder. This is a really popular, super popular feeder that attaches right to your window. So you get a clear, unobstructed view of the birds right there at your window. And it holds a couple of cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. And we have a bonus prize, too. So you can identify birds such as we just heard. Um, That would be the online or iOS device access to the LarkWire app. That's the uh, app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So those are our prizes, and I believe we did all the other stuff, the clues and the description of the bird and the phone number. Again, it's 781-837-4900. As always, we urge you to call as soon as possible so we have actual time for the conduct of our mystery bird contest. So that's 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can and enter our contest. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. Uh, He's down there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. We're for the birds around here, and we'd like to say thanks to another Talking Birds listener who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. My name is Tim Griffith, and I'm calling from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because one of the things that I always live by is a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that says that your love of nature is only half served unless you share it with others. And that's exactly what Ray Brown's Talking Birds does. Talking Birds listeners, please consider joining our ambassadors family. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. To do it, just go to TalkingBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the page and choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. As promised, we're going to connect with Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. We're here in Bristol, Rhode Island at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend at the beautiful Audubon Nature Center and Aquarium on Hope Street in Bristol, Rhode Island. Not trying to make you jealous there, Mike. Uh, good morning. Oh, hello, everybody there in Bristol. Say hello to Mike. <laughs> uh, 
You know, Mike, uh, we usually talk before the show about the topic of your uh, presentation on each particular show, but this morning uh, somebody brought me some pastries over here, so I didn't get a chance to call you to find out what you were going to talk about. So. <laughs> yeah, pastries will distract me, too, every time. Yeah, 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 and some coffee, and so that was the end of that. But, uh, yeah, but you yeah, probably so do have a... Today yeah. we talk about, since it's, it's uh, approaching the middle of September, and one of our favorite birds, summertime birds, uh, they're all heading out right now. We're talking about the ruby-throated hummingbird. I know a lot of your listeners live in the western part of the state. It's a little bit different, but here in the eastern state, the country, eastern part of the country, we have the... Uh, our lone little ruby-throated hummingbirds, and they've been here since April, and now they're packing up and they're heading out. And a lot of the birds that we saw through uh, June, July, August have gone. And, um, and people say, should I leave my feeders out? And I say, yes, you should, because the migrating birds will be taking them or visiting them. They come down from the Maritimes. They come from northern New England or northern states, depending where you live. And they'll be stopping, and they'll be looking for food. Hummingbirds migrate all the way back down to Central America, and they migrate during the day, different than the other. A lot of birds fly at night and high, uh, but these birds fly low because they have to look for food. They have small birds. They have a small reservoir of food, so they stop regularly while they migrate, and it's a good idea. They follow, actually follow jewelweed, which is an important thing, and they kind of time their migration for the blooming of jewelweed as they head south. But it's good to keep your feeders out, keep them maintained, don't forget about them, don't let them get disgusting, just change them every couple of days, and it won't keep them from migrating, as the old wives' tale will tell you. They, the birds are going to migrate regardless if your feeders are not, but they'll stop a little bit, and you'll get to see them as they pass through. And they'll remember that. So when they migrate back in the spring, even though they're not the birds that may breed in your area, they'll remember the feeder as they work back in the spring. So it's a good idea to keep your feeder up and running uh, for at least a couple more weeks until you stop seeing birds on a, you know, for a couple of weeks at a time, and then maybe it's time to take it down. And remember where you put it, because half the feeders we sell are feeders that people forget where they put it last fall. And come spring, they're looking for them wow. That works out okay for you, though, I I'm think, doesn't right it? With that. Yeah, yeah you're good with that. <laughs> all right, Mike, thank you. Can we have Mike's going out music? There it is, right there. Thank you, Mike. We can't leave without that. All right. All right. Show, right? Getting have more applause here. Hi, everybody there in Bristol. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right. <laughs> talk to you next week. Okay, Mike O'Connor at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, uh, Massachusetts. Okay, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest, but first... The September-October issue of Birdwatching Magazine is now available at Barnes & Noble and other newsstands. It features a story about the uncertain future of the whooping crane, tips for photographing birds that fly fast, and a guide to fall and winter birding festivals. Plus, Ken Kaufman describes how to identify wandering tattler, David Sibley provides a closer look at crows and much more. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Let's hear that mystery bird one more time. 781-837-4900 is the number to call for our mystery bird contest. Our prizes include the Droll Yankees window mount, songbird feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders, plus a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, uh, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So those are the prizes and all that and the clues and the the sound of the bird. 781-837-4900 is the number. And I believe we have Scott who is up in, if I can remember how to pronounce this, Wapon, Wisconsin. How did I do, Scott? 
You did pretty good, Will. Well, though, Ray. Uh, give me that one more time. You did well. Wapan, Wisconsin. Wapan. I didn't give enough ex uh, ex uh, yes. emphasis on the second syllable, but other than right, that, yeah, it was gotta, pretty close. You got to stretch it out there a little bit. Stretch it. Wapan. There you How's go. That? I got it. All right. Okay, Scott, so you heard our mystery bird and all the clues and all that, and you say the bird is? A northern harrier, Ray. A northern harrier. We're getting applause from the studio. We're getting applause from here in Bristol. That would seem to indicate that you are correct. Scott, can you give awesome. us like can you give us 15 seconds to tell us about your special birding activity? Well, sure, I can, Ray. Um, I do a little uh, big bee trips uh, around the area. Basically, what that is is trying to bird without uh, using any natural or using any fossil fuels and stuff like that. So I do a lot of biking and walking and that sort of thing. And I live real close to the Horicon Marsh National Wildlife Area, so nice. um, it's actually pretty easy for me to get around. I live only three miles from the marsh, so I see a lot nice. of marsh birds and that sort of stuff. Thank you so much, Scott. Stay on the line. And we're out of time for this morning's show. By the way, uh, in the great state of New Hampshire, the Monadnock Region Birding Cup is about to get underway. Go to our Facebook page for more information. Thanks to Debbie Bleacher, Frey McGregor, Tim McKenney, and everybody here at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. September means back to school and back to binoculars as we watch for the start of the fall migration. We hope you'll continue your schooling by coming for a free walk with us. Ocean State Bird Club is on Facebook and at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club.